0: Hey guys, it's me again, Will Gadara, same room, same shirt, so much is the same, but actually a a new thing in my life, my wife and I went to the grocery store the other day to get a bunch of stuff, and on the list was rice, but as is the case uh, quite a bit these days, there was no rice left, and so we had to do something different, and I had, for the first time in my life, you guessed it, the San Francisco treat you guys ever had rice a I certainly haven't. If you haven't, you may not know that it's rice and pasta in the same box. It's extraordinary. And don't even get me started on the chicken flavor. And to be abundantly clear, no, this segment is not brought to you by rice I'm just a fan. But I digress. We have a lot of good stuff to share, so we're going to jump right back into it. Welcome to weekly specials. It's the
1: weekly specials.
0: Do, 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 do. weekly specials. Good news coming at you. Okay. This week we're looking to those who are helping restaurants in their own unique and individual ways, and there's so many good stories to cover. So let's jump right in. First, let's talk about grocery stores. Listen, so many restaurants are closed right now, but grocery stores are busier than ever. But a few chains across the country have been working to help our community by partnering with chefs to offer grab-and-go options for some of their most beloved dishes. In the South, family-owned grocery chain Rouse's Markets has 64 properties around Louisiana, Mississippi, and Alabama, and they've always supported their local chef communities. So, in an effort to give back, they've been partnering with local restaurants like Saba, Commander's Palace, Yield Collagen, and Johnny Sanchez, who have been recreating soulful dishes like shrimp remoulade, mac and cheese, queso, and sweet potato salad. Rouse's has already earned over $120,000 for local restaurants. It's amazing. In Texas, the chain H-E-B launched their own chef-to-market process in just a matter of days, which is incredible because normally to set something like this up would take about a year. One of the leaders of the pack there is Chef Jason Dady, who's recreated flavors from his Austin-based restaurant group, including Trey Trattoria and Two Brothers Barbecue Market. But they've also been working with people like our friend Chris Shepard, who's been offering dishes from his restaurant at 16 of their locations. Other chefs include Hugo Ortega, Larry Delgado, and Kieran Virma. And in Michigan, Spartan Nash grocery stores have also launched a program called Restaurant Meals To Go. They even built a team specifically in charge of the program, making sure that meals are quality checked and packaged properly for their customers' at-home consumption. This program gives 100% of the proceeds to the eight local restaurants that have already signed up to create meals. So thank you to these grocery stores and others who recognize the importance of their local independent restaurants and are stepping up to support even when they don't have to. Next, we're going to Chicago, where one local pizza restaurant is using its ovens to heat more than just slices to go. Dimitri Sirkin Nikolaou, owner of Demo's Pizza in Wicker Park, was not ready to turn off his ovens after the government-mandated closure back in March. After seeing the wave of people pivoting their businesses to help to create supplies for healthcare workers, he had an idea. Seeing his oven as more than just something to cook pizza. So after consulting with a few of his friends who are engineers, he realized that he could use his oven to softly melt sheets of acrylic, which could be easily bent into perfectly fitting face mask shields. Now he's completely transformed his operation so that he can provide these to local healthcare workers. And here's another great one. Imagine being a restaurant owner driving on your way to work when all of a sudden you look up and see a billboard advertising that you're still open and available to feed people. Except you weren't the one to put it up. That's exactly what happened to Ariana Eckick, co-owner of the Detroit kebab shop Balkan House, Her two locations were still open for takeout and delivery, but even still had taken a combined 40% hit in business. And the threat of missing rent and not being able to make payroll had started to loom over her. Enter a Balkan House regular, goes by the name of Joey O who paid for a billboard to be constructed for the restaurant reading we are open with both locations listed advertising carryout and delivery. See, Joey wanted to do something to serve the team that had served him for so many years and decided to do so by spreading the news that his favorite joint was still open for business. What an incredible gesture of kindness from a customer wanting to support his favorite restaurant. I love that. And in Hong Kong, restaurant Black Sheep has done its part to support the entire world of restaurants. They've been dealing with this pandemic for longer than any of us here and have been operating through it while making many changes to their normal operations. They were smart and thorough in how they reacted to the changing world around them. And so they decided to make a playbook documenting their best practices. And what I love about this one is that they could have just used it for their own place giving themselves a competitive advantage. But instead, they chose to share it with the world, benefiting restaurants well beyond their reach, restaurants that perhaps they didn't even know existed. They put all of their intellectual property online, available to anyone that wants it. In fact, it's already been translated into five languages, with businesses from Brazil to Japan using it. And this last story is a little bit different from the other ones, but it's one I'm really excited to tell. Because last week, the James Beard Foundation, on the date that the awards would have normally been held, decided to do a live stream where they announced the finalists for each category. Now, I'm a part of the Independent Restaurant Coalition, and a few days a week we have a call with all of the leadership where we talk about the work we're doing, next steps, how we can support one another, help move legislation forward. But normally, people get on the call five to 10 minutes early just to connect, um, to feel a part of the community before we dive into the daily agenda. The day after those finalists were announced was a really special day. Because for that 10 minutes before the call began, I saw something that I hadn't seen in a long time. People congratulating one another. People celebrating an achievement. And for many of us who have been so stuck in trying to figure out how to deal with what's in front of us, receiving praise or offering it or even taking time to celebrate, having something to celebrate, it hasn't happened in a while and it felt so good to be a part of because it reminded me all that we have experienced together in the past and all we have to look forward to experiencing again in the future. Talk about a silver lining. All right, that's all we got for this segment. But This Week in Jose is coming up next, and it's a good one. Here comes the Week in Jose. Everything is okay. Because it's Week in
1: Jose. I'm very pleased to welcome you to a very special edition of This Week in Jose. Um, usually This Week in Jose is a segment, as you know, about talking about what our patron saint has done in the previous week, and sometimes the clever ways that he's hacked things like a loaf of bread, um, and other ways that he's solving the world's problems. This Week in Jose, I am proud to welcome Jose to This Week in Jose. Hello, Chef. Thank you very much for having me so let me start with an easy question for you sir um it's great to have you on the show tell me how has this week in jose been so far um
2: well listen let me tell you um i don't know anymore probably happens to you happens to all of us i i have a feeling i don't know anymore the difference between a monday and a sunday and,
1: uh seems that is just a loop how does this response how should people think about the scale of this pandemic and the response required um versus other global disasters that you've seen and you've been a part of
2: well this one everybody is heated everybody is suffering every community what this one is very, very, difficult to understand is that uh, you don't see destruction. Actually, especially now in the spring, you take a look outside and the trees are full of flowers, the birds are singing, uh, and they're telling you that you have to stay home. So you realize that nothing is happening uh,
1: in perception, but then everything is happening. Yeah. So World Central Kitchen, it's more than 6 million meals now. Is that right?
2: Uh, World Central Kitchen, we are already in the north of uh, 6.5 million. Uh, Unbelievable. We are doing now between quarter million and 300,000 meals a day. So we are in a speed mode. Um, uh, Nate Mook, uh, the executive director, and all the teams, they've done an amazing work. Even this is a different emergency, Right. Usually you have destruction. Usually the men and women that work in the kitchen, when I go myself uh, to the big ones, uh, we need to be cooking out of nothing. Sometimes we can do some restaurants that we are able to put up and running near the hard-hit areas, but other times, like in Bahamas, the destruction was so phenomenal that we had nothing and we need to be thinking out of the box and and hiring helicopters and building field kitchens in the port. So this one is different. So uh, almost we have every single restaurant uh, in America helping. I wish it was every single restaurant. My dream is that nobody is supposed to be hungry because our restaurant community is closed. So therefore we have the entire food community of America the biggest army that can feed America. So would, wouldn't be logical that today any American is hungry when we have the restaurant shut down. So what we've been trying to do is show, guys, we're here. Hello, we, if you have to conquer a country or uh, you send the army, but if you have to feed the, uh, the country, who do you send? Us, the cooks of America, the food industry of America. So we've been showing that can be done. Is not, everybody's telling me, Jose, guys, you are geniuses. I'm like, really? Come on, people, people are hungry and we are cooks. <laughs> cooks feed people that are hungry. That's not to be a genius. This is to be very practical. So yeah. I'm so glad we have more than 1,000 restaurants that we've been able to support. And they support us back. And one community at a time, we are trying to make sure that we can cover the needs of the folks in those communities.
1: So I guess my question then, what that, what that leads me to is, is the World Central Kitchen response to this COVID crisis, is it as much about saving the restaurant industry as it is about feeding people?
2: I think it's, it's about both at the same time. Obviously, um, we've done this before sometimes. Uh, in Puerto Rico, um, we had almost twenty six kitchens. They were not restaurants per se, uh, but they were many of the kitchens we used were cooking schools, some were restaurants um, and and quite frankly, right now, we are going with restaurants that they 've been doing it anyway so to a degree, still we are an emergency organization, but we are an emergency organization created by cooks with the idea of feeding the few but feeding the many and to a degree I'm glad that we can put the restaurant industry up to work because it was in part the original idea. World Central Kitchen will only be successful if we have support of the restaurant industry, not only in America but around the world. Albania, Australia, you name it, why are we able to be so good? Because even if we don't know those chefs, even if we don't know those restaurants, it's something that is bringing us together. And because many know World Central Kitchen now, know Jose Andres, or all of the chefs that they've been part of, they realize that this is not my organization. I didn't call it Jose Andres Rescue Mission. I call it World Central Kitchen. Everybody owns it. And can be yours as much as you want. My friend, Marcus Samuelson what he's doing between Newark, Harlem, is fascinating. So for me to see that chefs like Marcus and others are just coming and being part of this entire system, to have Eric Ripert to put his team, uh, yeah. uh, arguably the best restaurant in New York, one of the best restaurants in America, one of the best restaurants in the world, a place that used to charge hundreds of dollars per meal, all of a the sudden, they're putting their know-how and heart. What I'm very happy is that, uh, I wouldn't say happy, but proud that probably we've never seen better quality food in an emergency in the history of mankind. And this is also to prove that it can be done. That's why we're transforming this into public policy, we hope. it's.
1: It really speaks to the universal
2: language of hospitality, no? I mean, at the end of the day, uh, if the world restaurant, obviously, you know that I take everything back to Spain. I can explain the history of the world through Spain because it's the <laughs> country born. But if is these documents in these monasteries um, uh, back to eleven, twelve, thirteenth 12th, 13th century, you know, and, and before that, the, the world re- restaurant really had to do with restoration, restore, to restore your salt. The uh, refractorium where the, the monks in the monasteries will be there eating in silence, restoring their body, but restoring their spirituality. So if restaurants are uh, a way of restore humanity, what better moment than including restaurants in restoring the America we love so much back to normal. So that's the moment we're living in. And I hope we can do not only 1,000 plus restaurants a day, but we can put tens of thousands. I hope that that bill, called the FEAT Act, is being supported by uh, Congressman Thompson and McGovern, Massachusetts and California, but also by uh, Congressman Davis of Illinois, or co-sponsored by by, uh, Will Hurt, Congressman Hurt from uh, Texas, but then on the Senate by Senator Kamala Harris, And then Senator Tim Scott, all of a sudden, we have Republicans and Democrats on both houses supporting a bill that the only thing we want to do is feeding Americans and using the restaurant community to do that, supported by the federal government through FEMA, partnering with the governors and the mayors, and make that a possibility. I hope that that bill will pass. Is just a reenactment of the Stafford Act, but making sure we put pressure to say, shouldn't be anybody hungry as we have restaurants closed, period.
1: So speaking about the restaurants, the thing that I can't wrap my head around is the uncertainty about what the future restaurant looks like. And so my question is, what do you say to the chef or restaurateur who's got one amazing restaurant in a place like L.A.? Well, he, his future
2: is my future. Uh, I would say that we are together on this. Uh, I would say that not no solution for the few. It um, has to be a solution for the many. And this pandemic, it's not easy to understand. We don't know everything yet. But the things we know, I don't feel the leaders of the world are doing enough. So that shaft that is trying to open, we need to be very good in asking our, our leaders. That's my view of Republican and Democrat, to do the right thing, to make sure that we are all protected. If we go back to 1918 and 1919, it took a lot of time to reopen back the economy. When the economy came back, once the virus, uh, uh, the, the influenza was fought over a century ago, the economy came very strong in 1920. But that means that we are almost... It repeats itself. We are almost six months to a year away to anything that is going to resemble normalcy. I would love to open my restaurants tomorrow, but I'm not going to do that. I was one of the first ones to close them. And even if my city and my state give me permission to reopen, chances are that I will not. I will reopen when I
1: believe is the right time for me to open. Amen, brother. So um have you heard have you heard your theme song? Have you heard? Have you heard the this week in Jose song? It's the week in ding
0: everything is okay cuz it's week
2: in I don't know what to say. Uh, I'm I'm I've embarrassed.
0: Thank you, Ben. I mean, I think the thing I'm most impressed by is the fact that you held it together. I, I would have been freaking out. Uh, great job. And now uh, we're going to do our second segment of something we started last week called I Can't Wait about all of the things about our business, the things that perhaps we once took for granted that we cannot wait to do again. This week, it's featuring Kwame Anwachi and his team at Kith and Kin. Take it away. I can't wait, can't wait to do it again. I can't wait, can't wait to do it again. I can't wait, can't wait to do it again. I can't wait to
1: do it again. Hey, this is Kwame Anwachi from Kith and Kin. And I don't know if I'm starting to go stir crazy, but I'm starting to miss a lot of things in the restaurant industry, especially at my restaurant even things that I took for granted or drove me crazy. I can't wait to get a haircut for one, (laughs) but I also can't wait for all of my managers to request vacation time at the same exact date. I can't wait to walk into the walk-in and find something immediately after I've been told it's 86th. I can't wait to get back in the kitchen to have my first of three pre-service espressos. I got a feeling I'm gonna need it. I can't wait to do 400 covers on a Saturday night. I can't wait to get back in the kitchen. It's going to be one of those days when Chef Kwame gonna look me in my face and say, hey, Trey, we need you, man. I'll be working three stations, working overnight, staying in the hotel for a night. Can't wait to get back. I can't wait to make the Perry Perry dressing again, and recreate the cucumber salad. I can't wait to get back to the restaurant because it's going to be one of those days where I'm about to clock out, and as soon as I'm walking out, I get asked from the chef, hey, chef, you mind staying for a couple more hours? We need to push for the rest of the day. Can can you help us out? And those couple more hours really means another shift? Yeah, days like that I miss. Can't wait to get back. I can't wait until I can finally make uh, the Caribbean rum cake for two. I miss it. I can't wait for chef to tell me I can't sit a seven top on a Tuesday during lunch when the dining room is empty. Well, now you've heard from my team. I'm so grateful to have them, and I can't wait till we can have service together again.
0: Thank you, guys. Uh, Just beautiful. And listen, another reminder that there truly is so much to look forward to. Um, I, for one... I can't wait to whatever the new normal looks like and, and to have a chance to do all of those things again. That's about all we have. But before we go, we're going to bring you behind the curtain a little bit. I'm going to tell you some secrets of the trade, whether you know, it's me or Jimmy Fallon or Stephen Colbert, all the talk show hosts. I mean, we're all basically doing the same thing. Um, we have a weekly call. Uh, where we share secrets. And obviously, as you might imagine, they invited me to be a part of it pretty quickly based on the work we're doing here. Um, this week, uh, we were on the call and they said, hey, Will, you and the entire team at Weekly Specials, you're doing pretty good stuff here, but a little piece of advice, whether it's Jimmy and Questlove and the Roots or, or Stephen Colbert and John Batiste, they all have their musical counterparts. And listen, a lot of you at home have been asking us from the beginning, Hey, who writes those theme songs? They're, they're damn catchy. And you know, you're right, they are. And so, okay, here's the answer. His name is Aaron Raytier. He's a Grammy award-winning songwriter and a good friend of ours. And so this week we said, hey, we need to give the people what they want. And it turns out the answer there is Aaron Ratier. And so he's joining us, he, he's with me here today and we're gonna bring him out in just a moment. Because he wrote a new song for all of us. um, His version of I Can't Wait. Um, And I'm excited for you to meet him, see the face behind the music, and check out this new song. But before we kick it over to him, uh, thank you again for joining us. And we'll see you next week at Weekly Specials. Thanks, Will. It's good to finally put a face to a name. I mean a name to a song, I mean a face to a song, I mean a song to a face. I don't know what I'm talking about. I can't wait to get back to that restaurant life. Folding napkins, sharpening knives, and polishing glassware. I won't give a care, rocking out while I'm restocking silverware.
1: Missing that side work, picking up crumbs, sure beats, sitting round, just twiddling thumbs. I'd rather be doing something, I'm so bored that it hurts. Can't wait to get back to that side
0: word. out socks. Thank you for tuning in and hope you'll join us again next week on weekly specials. The show is produced by the team at the welcome conference and our production partners at resi. And thank you to our longtime partners at American express and San Pellegrino for their unwavering support during a time when we're not able to come together in person. Their support allows us to connect with you here. Want to stay in touch or learn more? Visit us at welcomeconference.org or on Instagram at Welcome Conference.